The opinions expressed on this webmasterradio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of webmasterradio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the Internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Man, wow, holy jumping, George, that is from the Deep Archives. Oh my goodness, everybody, welcome to Webcology. This is uh, Thursday, the 14th of January, halfway through the first month of 2010, and you are listening to the 100th episode of Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. This is, as always, Jim Hedger from Webmaster Radio and Dave Davies from Beanstalk, Inc. Dave, dude, we are 100. We are a hundred. Looking back on wow, that is uh, that's a hundred hours of our lives. Uh, definitely very well spent, I would say. Um, I hope our listeners I'd agree. Say, I'd have to say so. We're actually, in reality, we're like a hundred and forty-seven uh, as as a team. Because uh, Brasco just reminded that. Do, do you remember that theme song that you just heard? That was the theme song for our first show, The Alternative. Wasn't that, and, and that just seems like so long ago, like looking back to then and thinking of the massive number of changes. I'll bet you have, when I found out it was our 100th show, I had to look back through, uh, through the archives and, and sort of look and go, right, where, where did we start? What were we doing at the beginning? Um, maybe we'll chat about that a, a little bit later, but wow, just over that, uh, that 100 episodes, the, the Internet is, has uh, really changed. And then, yeah, you go back to the alternatives and, well, a lot's changed since then. Well, yeah, here's, here's one big change over the last hundred episodes. When, uh, when Dave and I first started as a team, we started covering, on, on Webmaster Radio, we started covering alternative search engines on a show called The Alternative. And Dave, here is one major change over the last year and a half. Name me an alternative search engine of relevance. Take a few seconds there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, from a, from a global perspective, I can't. There are still some that I, you know, uh, I, I think of only because G isn't this kind of neat. Um, and then, you know, there's alternative search engines. Like, it's not really a search engine, but it is. Um, you know, we'll count that, like, little little resource like YouTube, which, you know, is alternative because it's not a normal search engine, but at the same time, um, it's the second largest in search volume of all the properties. So, um, you know, yeah, but, but I, I, I think I get your point. It used to matter. Of course, back, uh, let's go back even even further to when you got your start um, in SEO. I mean, how, how many engines were there back then? Right? And now what we're looking at possibly Eight. a year from now, there being two. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, the dog pile still mattered once upon a time. So, um, it, anyway. Wow. Yes, it, it, it truly did matter at one time. It's, wow, what a, uh, 
what a strange trip it's been the uh, the last 15 years and the last year and a half specifically. Um, just for the uh, listeners' edification, because you know we love to edify the listeners, um, <laughs> the very first show, <laughs> the very first show that we did was on the ecosystem of the internet. It was our debut episode on October the 25th. 2007. Well, that, means that makes me feel old. There was Thanks. a 2008 and a 2009 in there. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, a lot, you know, as you say, a lot's changed. I mean, it would be interesting, and I, it's funny because I was going through a few of them, so I didn't listen to that, didn't have a chance to listen to that whole episode because, of course, I was reflecting back on 100 episodes. Um, but it is a shame, and at some point I am going to have to probably after the show listen to that whole thing and go, gee, what is it we were saying about the whole ecosystem as it existed back in 2007, which really in the long and short isn't really that long ago. You know, it's only a couple of years ago. My kids were about the same age doing the same stuff. Like when you put it in real life, um, you know, it, it seems like a reasonably short period of time, and then, yeah, you put it in the scope of the Internet and think about the changes that happen on the Internet in that time. And... It's 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 massive. Like uh, the the landscape was completely different. Social media was in a different place than it is now. Paid ads, you know, everything was different back then. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a pleasure. And I know we've got some other things to cover, but I think it, it'll be interesting. Maybe later in the show we can go through kind of okay, what are some of the highlights um, that have happened between uh, between October twenty fifth, two thousand seven, first show, um, and today with uh, which is going into our last show, which unfortunately. Show number 99, I was not a part of, um, but you had a great show there, so you can take us up right, uh, right to your solo show last week. Yeah, we had a good time. Bill Slosky was in the house. Uh, it's always good having Bill around, but um, we got a couple serious issues that we should deal with. Um, one that we don't want to spend a lot of time on because there's just too much information. It's changing way too quickly, and let's face it, it's... Uh, an extremely painful uh, topic. Um, we do got to mention Haiti. Uh, uh, incredible humanitarian disaster in Haiti. Um, estimates of 120,000 dead now. And uh, the web is stepping up in relief efforts and trying to raise money. And, um, well, I'm not going to tell people where to donate, how to donate, uh, which ways is a hundreds of ways to do it. You can do it by your cell phone. You can do it by web. There's Facebook groups set up. However you choose to do it. Donate. Donate money. Donate blood. Donate blankets. Donate clothes. Donate whatever you bloody well can. The poorest country in North America um, with uh, <laughs> already had um, abysmal civil, civil infrastructure. Um, it's uh, there's just not enough to say about how awful life is um, on that part of the island of Dominica. Um, friends, find a way to help Haiti and, and, and do, it, do it today. You know, on that, and I want to make sure we don't leave on, on too negative a note. So um, I just heard um, yesterday, fortunately, they have TVs at the gym where I go to, so I actually watch Real for Real News. Um, and I heard some, some fantastic news that I think really reflects our industry and, and is related to our industry. Um, totally agree. Donate where you can. Give what you can. Um, but a, a great story that just came out now, unfortunately, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but um, I'm sure you can look this up on the Internet. He was from Canada. Um, he was trapped under a building. 
How did he get out from under this building? Nobody knew he was there, but his cell phone worked, and people on his Facebook page, he posted to Facebook where he was. Somebody read his Facebook page, saw the update, they pulled him out from under the building. Um, so just a, a fantastic... <laughs> I don't know if there's a, there's a more dramatic or, uh, or, or better example of, of use of the technology that we've been covering over the last, uh, you know, over two years here now. But um, I thought that was a, a remarkable story when, when I was listening to it. And, uh, and I thought that really, in a, in a really interesting way, um, shows a sideways point of the importance of, of the industry that, that we use every day and the importance of, in this case, um, social media, not just um, as a great method of, of communication, uh, but in this case, as a, as a life-saving device. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I want to say more about Haiti. I don't want to go down that road because I could uh, spend quite a while down there. Um, Jim, I'll tell you what, well, on top of that, I will, um, I will say one thing about what when it comes to Haiti is that it's something good right now because as immediately you see the search and rescue teams coming out, especially with America and Canada, just countries now outpouring support. And like I mean, what, in America, what, 3,500 soldiers were sent out just for those messages. Coast Guard cutters have been sent out. So you're seeing immediate support going out to those people. So I'm glad that pe- and then the people are immediately making donations, and you're seeing hundreds of thousands of dollars right now. Well, the, the, I mean, I think the, 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 the salient point there, Brasco, is that people are stepping up. You know, people are stepping up. The, the, the nations are stepping up. The, the European Union stepping up. And hopefully this will be a little bit of sustained assistance for Haiti because um, that, uh, that half of the island has had it rough for a very long time, um, probably since uh, it was invaded by Napoleon in the 1800s. I mean, there's four million Haitian Americans that live. Four million Americans that are that are Haitian that live now in America, that are now started going through their outpouring. And I'll tell you, a lot of them are in my backyard here in South Florida. We have the biggest concentration of Haitian Americans, and I get I've talked to a lot of people that you know they've lost some family members out there. So, I mean, it just hurts because I mean, just to go see that devastation. Just looking at that for the last couple of nights on TV has just been tough to watch. Yeah, it's painful. I'm I'm having the hardest time looking at the newspaper or uh, watching TV news. It's just very. You feel hopeless or helpless, I should say, um, which we're not. Which we're not helpless. There are aid organizations there that will do, the good work we want them to do. It's just a matter of enabling them to do it. But when you're watching this stuff, it's just pure pain. It is moving forward. One moving, thing I uh, hope now. Oh, sorry, I, I was listening to. Um, some of the folks from some of the agencies that are already in in Haiti. I mean, we, we all understand that this is the, the poorest um, country, not just in North America, but in the entire Western Hemisphere. So let's take you know the, the poorest of the poor countries you think of and, and give them less money. That's how much these people have with a with an eighty percent poverty level. Um, and and then this is before uh, before the earthquake. Um, so one of the the big things that came out, and it, it's funny, not going beyond just the death toll and the devastation of now. Um, a lot of these agencies are feeling that the worst thing isn't just that portion of things. It's that it was only lately 
that they managed to start to curb um, the drug trade, started to make some of the areas um, that they were formerly unable to even access at this point. All of a sudden, the kids were starting to go to school in these areas and, and this sort of thing. Um, and so now they're basically going, we were just starting, after 30 years of being here, just starting to make our inroads into these areas, and now this happens, and, and basically, uh, you know, setting them back. So um, what I am really hoping to see is that not just, and I, I think this is what Brasco was touching on, is not just, gee, let's help them out right now, let's help them get through this. If all we do is that, then they're going to be right back where they were 30 years ago with all of a sudden, you know, they, they have no real infrastructure for enforcement. Um, they're, they're in, you know, their, their transportation infrastructure is devastated. They'd be in a situation very similar to where they were when, when aid first started going in there in aid agencies where they're going to be worse off than they were before this earthquake if we can help them get back to at least where they were, where they were starting to make roads against the drug trade. They were starting to allow their children to, to go to school in, in these areas and, and, you know, facilitate this sort of thing. I just hope that the aid doesn't stop as soon as we kind of forget about it and another shiny thing flashes by our eyes on the news, um, you know, and, and, and Brad Pitt does something crazy. I would hate to see this all of a sudden disappear and them to go, to go back to where they were 30 years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we should move forward. We really should. This is, uh, this is our 100th episode. It's supposed to be bright and cheery and, um, you know, explosive and all that. And, uh, you know, we've got big news of ourselves, not just 100th episode, but maybe we should go back in time here because obviously there's a huge story that both you and I, I think, are kind of chomping at the bit to touch on here because we covered it ages ago, and that is China. Yeah. I mean, like, okay. One of the themes that I think if you go back through our archives, Dave, I, I think you'll notice that one of our themes has uh, consistently been to, um, how to say this nicely, um, speak truth to Google, or to, you know, speak our version of the truth to Google. Um, okay, that's, let's face it, we've been trying to hold those bastards to account for, like, years now. <laughs> the role of the media. It's the noble role of the media to hold the biggest players to account. And in the mainstream world, that would be, you know, government and large corporations. And in our world, it's called Google. And, uh, well, they went into China in 2006 saying that it was better to give some search results than none at all. And now... Isn't that benevolent of them? They're, That's uh, very good of them. Very, very benevolent of them. Um, creative engagement. It, 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 it may well have been a wise move at the time, but they're revisiting that move now, and they're using Google is threatening to, uh, well, ostensibly, to pull out of China. The uh, Two days ago, uh, Google's legal counsel, David Drummond, informed the, uh, the Chinese government that Google would no longer be censoring search results in China. That's a big deal. Because, well, the Chinese government is dictatorial. They very, very much control the uh, information that the Chinese people see, read, uh, hear. And if given half the chance, I think they'd like to control the way the Chinese people think. Well, if you're going to do business in China, you have to do business the Chinese government's way. That's sort of the way it works. And Google sort of said, no, we're not gonna. And so... They're in negotiations with China now. The on, not to be honest, it doesn't look like they're going to stick around. It doesn't look like China can back down. Um, and uh, 
it's it's actually it's 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 a much bigger story than Google simply leaving China because of the reason Google came up with this. And Dave, I think we should cover that. But before we do, because this is going to be a long segment. Before we do, I think we should take a break here on Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm just to uh, give ourselves a breather, make sure we have all of our information straight, make sure we can lay out the story properly, get a couple of commercials in there, and then we can have all the time in the world to go over this topic. So on that, this is Jim Hedger from WebmasterRadio.fm and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Inc. You're listening to the 100th episode of Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stick around, friends. We're coming back with a hell of a fun story right after these messages. Biggest asset to driving online success? Let me introduce you to my expert advisor, PixelSilk. PixelSilk is a robust content management system built on a foundation to create online marketing success. It's the only content management system that offers keyword-specific SEO advice, can integrate with your shopping cart system, and offer multi-site management. PixelSilk frees my time while making my company's website easy to manage and promote. Even better, PixelSilk has been embraced by the SEO community. I'm Bruce Clay, and PixelSilk is the first CMS I have ever felt good about recommending. With this winning combination, we have all the tools we need. PixelSilk.com, the ultimate in SEO-driven CMS. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. It's time to start jamming and spamming again with the princes of PageRank, the heroes of HTML, the sultans of surf, SEO rock stars, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Webcology, the 100th episode here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is Thursday, January the 14th. And, uh, hey, Dave, why did Google cross the Great Firewall? <laughs> why, Jim? Oh, I hadn't thought, dude. I hadn't thought that far ahead. This supposed to be a punchline. Um, I don't know. Um, get to the other side. That's why. Um, because they found some dickhead or a bunch of dickheads from China 
cyber raiding them, hacking them. Yep, indeed. You want to go with this or you want me to? Um, this is just so an either-or, eh? Um, well, why don't you take I, You know, you brought it up, so why don't you continue on? Uh, but I'm, I've got a few comments of my own. But I am going to, through this part of the conversation, play a bit of a devil's advocate here, and, and I'll just warn in advance, because it's not quite as one-sided. My instinct is to go one-sided with this, but it's not quite as, as one-sided as, as, as all that. So just like net neutrality, I'll, I'll play a bit of a devil's advocate here. Having kids makes you cynical. That's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be. <laughs> We're about the same age. We have the same background. We're from the same country. We worked at the same company, for goodness sake. How did you get to be so cynical? Okay, here we go. Here's what, here's, here's what I think. It must be the kids. It must be. It's the only thing. Um, Personally, I, I blame it on the fact that my sister uh, became a lawyer to, to, to go and, and defend the rights of, of the First Nations people up here. And now she's uh, a contract lawyer for oil companies in Calgary. So, you know... <laughs> Anyway, go ahead, Jim. It runs in the family, I see. Okay, so, about uh, two months ago, sometime in, uh, in late November, early December, Google started to notice some, uh, well, an uptick in people trying to read its email, or invade Gmail, its email systems. It started tracking these attempts to get into Gmail, and it noticed the uh, people who tended to be uh, targeted were human rights activists in China and outside of China, but human rights activists vis-a-vis uh, vis -vis, uh, China, free Tibet activists, Fulong Gan activists, um, and Chinese democracy activists. Well, Google noticed that these hackers who were they've traced back to the nation state of China, the People's Republic of China, um, they were going after a database that Google maintains to feed information when subpoenaed to uh, law enforcement agencies. And this database tends to uh, have the, the user's name, the recipient's name, and the subject line, but it does not have the messages. The reason Google maintains a database like that is there's a provision in U.S. law that says um, when, when it comes to mail, anything that's written on the outside of the envelope is not privileged. Anything that's on the inside of the envelope, that would be considered privileged, and you need a higher level of subpoena to see that information. But anything outside of the envelope, well, that's basically considered public information. The police can look at it, the courts can, can use it as evidence um, without, uh, without a higher level subpoena, etc. So, Google maintains this database because they have tens of thousands of requests from law enforcement a year. Um, can we please look at, uh, or can we, can we, can we uh, look at this email thread? And under the, um, the Patriot Act, um, companies have to make this information available to law enforcement. So, Google's had this database. This database was invaded by um, hackers who have been traced back to the People's Republic. While they, were, uh, while they were doing their tracing, Google engineers actually managed to get into one of the networks that was hacking itself and found it was hacking at least 20 
and I've read reports that it was 33 large U.S. corporations. We know for a fact that one of those corporations was Adobe, because Adobe's written about it. I do not know who the other corporations are. Um, and we could speculate on that all we want. Um, large uh, U.S. data corporations. Um, it's unknown exactly what the hackers were looking for from the other organizations. We know that we know because Google said that at Google they were looking for information on human rights activists. And uh, we know that from from Adobe's writing, they were going after source code. Google, who gets hacked frequently, or at least gets attacked, I shouldn't say hacked, gets attacked frequently. Google's security systems are absurdly robust, probably among the most robust security systems in the world. Um, no security system's perfect. Theirs is very, 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 very good. Um, but Google, I mean, Google gets, gets, gets attacked being a large target, uh, Google gets attacked fairly frequently. This time, um, they noticed the pattern came back from the nation state of China. They've never come right out and said it was the Chinese government. But Google decided to use the only leverage it really has with the Chinese government to say, hey, stop this, by saying that they are no longer going to censor search results across Google.cn, the Chinese language search engine, or the Chinese search engine. Now, Google has offices set up in China and has at least 700 employees there. One of the conditions of Google operating in China is that it follow Chinese government law, and Chinese government law says you will censor certain websites, certain ideas, and uh, uh, the Chinese people are not allowed to access it. For example, in China, the date June 4th is officially meaningless. June 4th uh, was the, the date, the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square Massacre, which, according to, this, to the People's Republic of China, never happened. To China, the Chinese people have been remarkably clever in getting around what's been called the Great Firewall of China, using proxy servers or using codes. Like in Twitter, May 35, May 35th represents June 4th. So... The Chinese government uh, tries to repress the information available to its people. The people find ways around it. Google said straight up, uh, we're not going to have any more anything to do with repressing this information anymore. They're doing it as a, as a means of uh, hitting back at the Chinese government for what Google seems to apparently sees as intrusion that was either done by or sanctioned by the Chinese government. And uh, by saying they will, not they will not censor search results, they're saying to the Chinese government, screw you. You don't say screw you to a dictator without the dictator saying screw you back. And that's pretty much where the story stands. Indeed. Indeed. Um... Now to come in as the devil's advocate, shall I? Uh, I mean, there's there's points in in this entire situation and points in this argument that that really, as far as I'm concerned, aren't up for debate whether there's a right or wrong. Uh, for example, if you hack a system, if you're trying to steal either information or or code, as is the case here, um, it's not there that that I, I go. There is room for a, a devil's advocate. I mean, you, you, theft is theft. 
Microsoft and 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 to to hack Google systems to to get even if to you they which they're not to us but to even if to you these are known criminals you cannot hack a system because Google's got these things in place if there's a legitimate reason to you know if they're subpoenaed you know justifiably fine they'll provide this information so um, there as far as I'm concerned there's no room for debate but in the case of Google um, saying we're not going to censor this this information anymore um, it's there that I think there all of a sudden does become a bit of room now I'm a humanitarian I, I don't agree with censorship I, I'm happy that we've got our Charter of Rights and Freedoms um, you know uh, south of the border um, they've got the Constitution Declaration of Independence you know I mean I'm happy when we have documents that protect our freedoms I think they're fundamental for a democracy however when Google went in there, they went in knowing that they were going to be censoring their results. Heck, they openly, and I mean, I remembered the show, and, and it was, you know, uh, was the alternatives back then, but where I kind of made fun of Google <laughs> for, for coming out and sort of justifying their, their ability or, or, or their agreeing to censor this information uh, or, or censor some search results. Um, I remember mocking them, and, and you know, it, at the same time, I was being a devil's advocate. Their logic was... Kind of just, or, or you can argue it, but let's call it justified and go. They were saying it's better that they have access to some, and at least now we can have some influence. Um, whereas now, you know, before it was just Baidu, and 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 so is is basically a Chinese uh, situation only going on there. So, okay, they can go in, but they agreed to, and now for them to say we're going to go against the laws that we agreed to earlier, and we're going to go against the laws of the country. I know as a citizen of Canada, and, and I'm sure um, our, our, our friends south of the border in, in the United States can, can also agree to this, is if some other foreign body tries to tell me what I have to do in my country, now we have a problem. Like, I wouldn't want to see a foreign entity telling my government, I'm not going to obey your laws in your country. No, if you don't want to obey my laws, get out of my country, because you're in my country now. So it's there that I think the room for the devil's advocacy comes in, only in that I may disagree with what their laws are. I, I Actually, I can guarantee I disagree with the totalitarian state that they're in. But the fact of the matter is, I am in their country. I do have to abide by their laws. And if I don't, then I am breaking laws. I may disagree with the laws. Um, but if I may disagree with Canadian law. If I still break those laws, I'm going to be punished under Canadian law to it. So if I'm in China and I've agreed to the go, like I, I've agreed to their laws when I set up a, a company there, a branch of a company there, I can't just all of a sudden change my mind and go, oh, now I don't agree with your laws and I'm going to break them. I, I find it kind of just weird timing, and they're claiming that it's in reaction to this. You know, basically, they should just come out and say, we're pulling out because you did this. And it should just be a we're pulling out kind of situation. It shouldn't be a now we're going to violate your laws. You can't just violate somebody's laws when you're, when you're acting in their country. You can just pull out of their country, though. And really, as far as I'm concerned, that's what they should have done rather than doing this, this big kind of threat thing and then we're not going to censor. You can't break their laws. You can disagree no. with them. You can act against them. You can go to the United Nations. You can speak against them, but you can't just break them while you're there. So, um, in the case of Yahoo, uh, two and a half years ago, when they turned over the information on four Chinese dissidents, when ending up in ten-year uh, jail sentences for for those dissidents, uh, should Yahoo have obeyed the law in that case and given the Chinese government that information? What I think Yahoo should have done in that case is a completely different route. Um, is what these companies need to do to protect their own 
think, I mean, there should perhaps be an entity that just monitors this information when you're going into countries like China is. Do not hold that information there, and then you cannot be like, find a way around it. Basically, you need to protect, so don't store information, right? I mean, if, if it's coming to a potential where acting may violate your own morality, as, as is the case here, where I'm sure the folks over at Yahoo weren't going, gee, we're, we really would like to hand this over. Um, but they have this data. China knows they have, have this data. And, and, and to not hand it over, you are now violating their laws, which you can't do. I mean, that would be like, you know, I, I wouldn't expect Google to go, you know what, we actually kind of like this guy to, to, um, to Homeland Security in the States. We kind of like this guy. We don't agree with your loss, and we're not going to, you know, uh, appease your subpoena, and we're not going to hand you this information. No, they have to. It's not personal. But what you can do is not hold that information, and that's what Yahoo should have done. They're, they're failing, as far as I'm concerned, was holding information that could be used like that. They should have either... If they needed to store it, which I don't think they did, but if they needed to store it outside the country so it doesn't fall under the same set of laws, or better yet, just don't. Just flush that information as fast as it comes in, I mean, which we can all do. I mean, you don't have to store this. So bring it in, get it out, and then you don't ever hit that argument. But if you have this information and the government of that country requests it, just like I would expect them to do if they got a subpoena in the United States, I mean, these are different scenarios and different governments, but... You have to abide by the law of the country that you are operating in. Um, so, well, I guess we that brings up another question. Then. And, you know, I, I, I love uh, posing the questions. By the way, I think you deflected that last one quite well. Um, I kind of caught myself as I was as I was saying it. Um, it was too late. It's already out of my mouth. This is live radio. What do you got to do? How about here? We have laws protecting free speech. Mm-hmm. What about, as a matter of fact, we have laws against corporations limiting free speech. Indeed. So, should the law, where the, country, where the company is registered, where the company has its head offices, where the company, you know, does its core business out of, where it was founded, where and based, shouldn't that law have... Uh, have precedence? And I guess what I'm getting at is a standard of behavior from Western companies looking at entering the Chinese market that is woefully, um, well, disregarded. Um, Western companies believe in human rights, um, although there's many who would argue they uphold them simply because, uh, well, they're forced to by legislation. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of workers who'd agree that companies uh, uphold human rights in the West because legislation forces them to. Nevertheless, shouldn't the standard of behavior be the same when, uh, when a corporation goes and opens office in another country? Well, I, I mean, I would sort of put the question back to you and say, if the Bulldog Cafe in Amsterdam went, hey, we'd love to open one in Main Street, Dallas, Texas, should they be immune from the marijuana laws of Texas? No, no they, they should, should not be immune from the laws of the country. However, if they are going to, if they are going to operate in another jurisdiction, should they not pay heed to their own beliefs, their values, their I personal values? Ones they work with? can, and they're welcome to believe what they want. But they are entering a new jurisdiction. I, I'm from British Columbia, for example. You, you're formerly of British Columbia. If I got busted walking down the street, say, smoking a joint, 
Um, yes, I, it is against the law here. Yes, there's going to be certain repercussions from that. But if I did the exact same thing in Turkey, I could not expect them to obey the laws of British Columbia or, or the laws of California or, or a more lenient jurisdiction. So yeah, I can't you know, British Columbia is so well known around the world that we're given at least one group in every jurisdiction, aren't we? Oh, oh, okay. You know, you're from BC. You know, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, nor would I. I'm from BC, dude. Yeah, well, um, so I, I don't think that just because we're dealing with human rights issues, and again, ma- making it very clear, I am a, I am a humanitarian, <laughs> so I'm not trying to speak as, as, as somebody you know, staunchly right-wing here or something like that. I don't support the laws. Um, in fact, I support probably one of uh, you know your, your favorites and mine, Pierre Trudeau, who said, if, if you feel that a law is unjust, it is your civil duty um, to, to contravene it and, and oppose it, and you know, not gee, I think I should be able to murder people kind of way, but if there is really an unjust law, you should take action against it. But it is still a law, and you have to appreciate that there's going to be repercussions from opposing it. Um, and when I go into a foreign body, anytime, if I travel, I mean, heck, I get a little nervous, and I've been to the United States, I can't even count the number of times anymore. I love it down there. There's some fantastic places. However, as soon as I'm in a foreign country, I understand that I am not fully aware of the laws governing me. I don't know the nuances. I don't know the, the specific police force and what their sort of take on things is. Um, so immediately you have to be a little overguarded about how you're behaving. Um, and, and similarly, I don't, it, that's me as an individual, and that's in probably one of the most, well, it is the most friendly country to my citizenship that exists. Um, and I think as soon as you're heading into any other country, you have to be aware that what you need to do is live up to the standards and obey the laws that they're imposing with their governing. Um, and I'm sure if I ask somebody from China, they have laws that if they tried to, to say, hey, but I'm operating in the United States, I should be able to do these things, let's say work laws and, and child labor laws, a Chinese uh, company couldn't come into the United States and say, yeah, but, you know, we can hire kids who are 10 years old to make Nike shoes, so that's, you know, kind of all we're doing. We wouldn't you know? accept that if the reverse happened, so we can't expect them to appreciate it. When, again, we can work with the UN, we can work with Amnesty International, we can work with organizations to try and change what goes on, but until those laws change, we can't just uh, accept that we should be able to go there and impose our will and our laws and our morality uh, on a foreign government. Oh. And I'm not suggesting we should. I am so not suggesting we should. By the way, the force of logic rests with you right now, and there's uh, little I can do about it. I feel backed into a corner here, so I'm going to try to talk my way out of it. Of course, of course, a corporation can't come in and impose their values. And we're putting this in a Google context, and I think we've made it a larger moral issue and just gone, as far as Google's concerned, I think they're just kind of playing the cards wrong, but the end is right. They need to just pull out. If the information they're storing is under threat of attack and that this information can be used by a foreign body for purposes that they morally don't agree to, nor should they, they need to pull out. They can't oppose the law. They can't, you know, disobey the law, they need to just pull out. And, okay, well, I, th- I, I think we can both agree that the censorship issue isn't maybe the spark, but it's not the, it's not the powder, much like uh, the shooting of Archduke, Archduke Ferdinand in uh, Sarajevo in 1914 was the spark of World War I, but not necessarily the cause. Indeed.
Indeed. So, now, um, I have a feeling Braska's kind of tearing his hair out, and I would like to take a quick oh, break here and then come back. Um, and, you know, I mean, we've, we've, we've started with Haiti, we've moved on to censorship and China and human rights issues, so nice, light-hearted 100th show. Maybe we can come back, spend the last 15 minutes or so just chatting about um, what the first 100 shows were, some of the highlights over the last, uh, say, couple years, and uh, go from there. So do you want to take us out? Oh, no worries. Um, I'll do that. I, I can do that well. Uh, <laughs> friends, you're listening to a debate here on the 100th episode of Webcology on Webmaster Radio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Webmaster Radio and Dave Davies from Beanstalk, Inc. It's Thursday, the 14th of January. Stay tuned. We have more fun coming up on Webcology right after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. Anyway, I ask. That's right, ma'am. Anyway, you ask. Let me get this straight. If I wanted your CEO to deliver my check while juggling flaming machetes on the back of an Asian elephant, all I have to do is ask? Correct. With in-demand affiliates, you can tell us exactly how you want your payouts, and we will deliver. God, uh, could you hold on for a second? Someone's at the door. (coughs) Wow, you weren't kidding. We are in demand. You can be too. Sign up today at the letter ndemandaffiliates.com. Did you know? 99designs is a leading marketplace for graphic design on the internet. Did you know? 99designs connects you to a community of over 35,000 designers who will compete to do the best work for you. Did you know? 99designs allows you to post projects for logo design, web page design, t-shirt design, and more. Did you know? 99designs projects need an average of over 70 different design options for a price that you set. 99designs. When designers compete, you win. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the entertainment channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm, the celebratory 100th episode. You know what's weird? 100 episodes in, I still don't get the timing of the music. <laughs> I never know when to come no, no, in. I, I hear you. It's always uh, always a little odd. But um, you know what? Maybe, maybe at 200, we'll have it down. Or you know what? By 200, it'll probably be different music. But there we go. Actually, this um, is the first time... In 100 episodes, she's actually been on time. Well, I hit it right this time? Well, you hear, here's your host, Jim Hedge and Dave Davies. Yeah, you just jump right in there. Oh, really? I thought you were supposed to let the music play for a while to give people ambiance. Well, that's up to you, but yeah, if you want, you can just jump right in right after that. We should have a violinist. The music is there in case you're, like, fumbling around, you're trying to get your coffee, or you're running around and Hypertext is, like, did something, Whatever. That gives you a little bit of time to stall 
and then you can just come right back in. It doesn't sound awkward. Oh, she's all wrapped up in a blanket on the chair behind me. It's really cold. Well, it's not actually as cold as it was, but it's really cold in my office today. Um, so she's all, all wrapped up in a blanket on the chair behind me. Dave, what did we do all last right, year yeah. that was so damn cool? In the last hundred, I should say, the last hundred, you know two and a half years. one thing that I was really proud of that we did, and it was actually funny, as soon as I hit it, I was like, that's right, we did that. And, and we need to do it again. <laughs> because here we are like a year and a half later. Um, but I don't know if you remember, um, but you and I, and we had some guests, and we did a fantastic 10-part series. And we did it in conjunction. Our guests each wrote an article. We each wrote some articles. Um, and we did a 10-step SEO series, ranging step one being keyword research, right down to number 10, which you aptly named Keeping It Up. Um, and, and, but of course, that was, you know, hearkening back. We did that, oh, what was it? Started step one, uh, oh my, uh, January 31st, 08. So I'm thinking yeah. things might have changed a little bit since then. I think it was a fantastic series. I mean, we had, um, you know, I covered the, the keyword research part of things. We had Ross Dunn writing on competition analysis, and we were covering site structure. Deborah Masters on link building. Lee Evans on social media. Um, Rick Tobin, just to, to mention all the, all the guest writers covering conversion optimization. I mean, it, it was just a great series. Um, and I think, if, if, I can, if I can speak for you, I think we can agree to do that again. We did 10 articles. They went up onto Web Pro News. Um, you and I did 10 shows in a row back-to-back about just these topics, and I think we got a really, really good coverage. We may pick different top 10 different steps now or 10 different topics to cover, but I think we did a fantastic overview of, of SEO and what it takes to do these, um, and we brought in the experts on these areas to talk about specific points. So um, that you was, know, I, I got, think, I gotta tell really you, not Dave, the thing I'm most the, proud uh, of, but it's definitely one of the things that I think was a, a highlight um, to, to my time doing this show. I agree. That's, uh, that's, one of, that's one of the things I'm proudest of of this show, too, um, that 10-part series. And special thanks to our friends at WebPro News for... Uh, you know, for, for working with us and doing that. I think it was, uh, it was good for us, and it was really good for the community to, to put that together. And, you know, you know it would be a lot of fun, doing, again, doing another 10-part series and then, and then doing a show to compare the two series. How much has changed in the last year and a half or two years? Oh, that would be so much fun. And, and I think one person who uh, would be really interesting to have on that show to discuss the difference, because I think it's the area of most change, would be to have on Lee again and discussing social media and where was it in 08 versus uh, today. Now, of course, everything's changed. You know, we got caffeine, this, that, and the other thing. But I think, and, and I'm, I'm betting you would agree to this, that the area that has undergone the most significant um, changes would be in the areas of social media. Of course, Cindy might argue that it's, it's mobile in 2010, year of the mobile. So it was 2007, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, uh, I suppose for Cindy, so, that, that depends to when we get around to doing the series, doesn't it? you had, say, related to a trademark or something like that that you found especially fun? Oh, you know what? This is the thing that one of the other things I'm really proud of from, uh, from the last hundred episodes. We led the last charge against Jason Gambert, the douchebag who was trying to Trademark SEO. Sarah Bird, legal counsel for SEO Laws, truly led that charge. She's the one who took note of it first, wrote about it, wrote about the implications. Um, about a month and a half after her initial article, we had uh, Sarah on our show. When we were in the last 
I think it was the last week or even the last day, you could file a complaint against this patent, against this patent application with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Um, and because of that show, four or five last-minute complaints came in, and that was enough to tip the balance against Mr. Gambert, and, uh, well, the douchebag didn't get the patent. Yeah, and thankfully, so, I mean, uh, what a ridiculous idea that is. It's a process. I'm... <laughs> no, it's a common term. You can't have it. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, the, the patent offices have done things that I would otherwise be kind of scratching my head going, really? Really? You got that one, did you? Um, so, yeah, I mean, who, who knows if, if, or I mean, the, the trademark office would have, would have allowed that one to go. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, and that, that's obviously uh, one near and dear to, to my heart and critical for the industry. Now, of course, he was claiming, oh, I'm going to use this for legitimate reasons, making sure that people, we know pay you for a certification to use that term. <laughs> so, um, Everyone anyway, uses yeah, so that. Was great. Any other big points? I know uh, we've probably only got a, a few minutes here, so we'll probably only get on a, on a, on a few things here. But um, any other specific points you want to chat about? Or well, we, we covered the hell out of the net neutrality mm-hmm. debate. I think that was a, a, a good thing we did. There were good shows and good services. Um, we... Uh, Oh, I don't know. I mean, there's the Yahoo story that we covered to death. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the, the whole Yahoo saga unfolded during the, the hundred episodes, the two and a half years this show's been on. Um, Schumann Gossamagender, uh, having him on uh, to discuss changes in uh, Google paid click quality. That was pretty cool. Indeed, indeed it was. And you know what? I mean, I, I, I totally agree with, with what you're saying there. I think, we, I mean, we, you and I just have a ton of fun on net neutrality. That's, that's just kind of the, the, the fact of it. I enjoyed chatting with you in Chicago about it. I've enjoyed chatting with you on the, on the radio show about it, even though I think both of us end up taking opposing sides, whereas I think we're actually a lot closer to kind of middle ground on, on that one. The problem with the debates, um, I think huh? one that, uh, you know, I'd only seen it uh, once before, but I, I now it's near and dear to me because it introduced me to a fantastic show or, or reintroduced me to it, but a really interesting one as well, if you remember our show from, uh, well, it was just last April, um, where we covered Mad Men um, and, uh, and, and, and the, the, the marketers who had created these Twitter accounts, Peggy Olson, uh, Betty Draper, and, and Roger Sterling. Um, and then basically, you know, just covering into their use. Like, we, we really had a chance over the, over the span of 100 episodes to kind of chronicle, like, this was, the, I think, the last example we've really touched on, but sort of chronicle the, 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 the growth um, of Twitter from back in the early days where I was basically saying, and, and you were arguing with me, and you were right, I was wrong, uh, where I was basically saying, no, this is an enormous time-sucking waste. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, I mean, i, I got to admit, it is still part right. Um, uh, but you, was, I mean, you were, what you was that really article the other day? 27% as a, as a really, really of all tweets are useful? Uh, marketing tool, um, right through to how it's being used by marketers in, in totally different ways and using the, the Mad Men TV show as an example and, and up into more recent, um, you know, covering some of the issues that they're having with Twitter names and, and stuff like that and, and, uh, and, and their use um, in the case of, of Iran when we had on Christine um, covering, you know, pulling information out of places like Iran. Um, and that was a great like show. Currently Haiti, so. Yeah, again, that, the Iran show, Iran election show, I'm really proud of that one. Um, I think we did a really good show there. Uh, you remember the uh, the Madman Twitter one? I had Darren and Brandy in the studio convinced that it was actually the Madman characters that were coming on. 
I, I kind of fibbed a little bit, but it was it was fun to see the reaction because you know that was part of the joke. We introduced them as the Madman characters until we you know introduced them that they were just playing the Madman characters. Well, I found it really interesting and, and fantastic that at the end of the day, the producers and the networks allowed them to continue on. Um, and I mean, even that uh, kind of reinforced to me that, okay, other people are getting this whole internet thing too, because I'm sure you can remember a time, and I mean, Twitter wasn't as, as big back then, but where you would end up in stupid cases where I'm here to help you and you're not letting me, right? And I mean, in this case... They were helping. I mean, they, they were creating, and, and I mean, obviously, through chatting with them, they were researching, they were being these characters via Twitter and answering the right way, and, uh, you know, and these sorts of things. I think a lot of networks would have gone, yeah, but it's not our control, so no, you can't. And, and the networks and the producers had the good sense to just go, you know what? You're, you're doing our work for us. <laughs> go nuts. Um, and I think that, if nothing else, showed that the traditional media streams, this is television, like one of, one of the fundamentals of, of traditional media, um, reflected to me that, okay, finally, finally, the music industry hasn't quite figured this out yet as far as I'm concerned, but at least here we've got an example where traditional media gets it. They're getting social media. They're getting online. And they're allowing things to leave their control a little bit, understanding that at the end of the day, they're going to make more money out of it. And, I mean, you know, what, that's what we're getting all in this for, right? So, I wrote something in the brain space of traditional media. I, I quite enjoyed as well. I wrote something in the Webmaster Radio blog the other day, um, which I think actually now that I think about it, basically, you, know, you triggered something in my head, something you just said. Um, I wrote that uh, if there's one thing that, that technorati intellectuals have learned over the last decade, it's that the users control the content. You know what's happened in the last year and a half, two and a half years, uh, the rise of social media? The users are the content in many ways. And uh, yeah. that, you know, thinking of the, the, the Twitter users creating content around characters that they, they admire on television. In this case, the users become the content again. It's, uh, I'm quite curious what, what the world's going to look like at two and a half years from now. Well, how frightening is that for corporations? <laughs> to lose control of your own brand in that way. Um, but, I mean, in this case, we're seeing an example where they're willing to. They're willing to go, great, and we're going to embrace this. We're going to lose control of our brand, knowing full well that at the end of the day, it's in our best interest, too. And I think we're seeing all the most progressive corporations are really great. Zappos is a great example where they're engaging directly and telling people to comment. Um, and that's something else that we've seen over this duration of, of the 100 shows is the rise of social media in that way um, and the reaction of, and the, the downfall of, of some companies who um, aren't reacting as they should to it. And then the rise and, and, and enormous success of companies like Zappos and, and the such that are really embracing social media and asking their their um, users and, and clients and just visitors to interact with them in that way and basically controlling rather than trying to crush people's ability to say something negative about you, controlling where they do it and allowing the, the company and, and the brand themselves to respond, deal with it, and keep it a, a much more friendly. So at the end of the day, I think during this 100 episodes as well, we've seen the, the, the turning of the ties into a situation where brands have the ability to, to, to react, um, and customers are getting better service because they're getting a direct area to react and get some satisfaction as well, but um, just some of the changes over the last couple of years. 
Okay, we have, we have about one minute left. Time for one more quick thought. Carrie in the chat room asks if there's any fun things you can think of from any conferences we've done live. What was a fun moment at one of the SES conferences? Uh, one moment. Oh, God. Uh, okay, I'm going to go uh, Darren. Search Bash. Uh, I wasn't even at this one, but the video was awesome. Uh, bull riding. Oh, XY7 party at, uh, at AppTech New York. Yeah, Darren Bullriding, George Bullriding. They didn't get video of me Bullriding, probably because it took too long. Um, okay, that was fun. And I think that was the... Uh, the aerials, uh, the aerial display. I can't remember which conference it was at. I've been to too many. But, uh, again, it was a search bash. Um, up in the uh, sky, who was it? They had uh, trapeze and, and all that sort of stuff set up. That would, I think you would have seen the Search Bash 2008 in uh, San Jose. We also did that at a Search Bash in uh, Las Vegas in 2008. Um, and I, I don't think we had aerial performers in 09 in San Jose at Search Bash. There might have been. I was too busy. No, that was Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, I know. I was about to say, I was too busy watching the Alice in Wonderland characters to look up. So there might have been aerial performers, but I don't know. I didn't notice them. Um, anyway. You, what's your top, top moment? I'm going to guess, if I can, interviewing Danny Sullivan, because that was just, you did an awesome interview with him, but I may totally Absolutely. be wrong. Absolutely. Okay, they're playing our closing music. We got to go. We're stepping on Affiliate Marketing Insider right now. It's a great show. Tips for setting up an ad budget in 2010. Wayne Sisson is going to be talking to C2 Moore from NVI Solutions to discuss savvy advertising budget planning for 2010. Dave, brother, thank you so much for the last 100 episodes, man. It's been uh, it's, it's great working with you. And to you, it is an absolute pleasure, and I'll try and gather together some Dalmatians for our 101st show next week. Indeed. Enter the audience. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Inc., this is Jim Hedrick from WebmasterRadio.fm, going way over time. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll hope, hope to see you for 100 more. <laughs>